You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On the line now, he's uh, he's Doug McDermott, uh, but this week, I, I guess he's officially Coach McDermott. He's not Greg McDermott, but he is Coach McDermott this week because of uh, the basketball tournament and the and the, the Blue Crew, Creighton's team, going to be playing in action in Omaha later this week. Are you ready to be called Coach McDermott? Are you going to tell the players to just call you Doug? Like, what are, are you going to be one of those <laughs> coaches like, hey, don't call me Coach. Don't call me Coach. Call me Doug. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people in Omaha, when I've been back this summer, have been calling me coach Mac, um, cause they've seen the news, you know, break on Twitter. So, yes. uh, I'd be worried. Mac should be worried about his job security. I, mean, um, I think so. You know, with, with me coming to town here. Well, I mean, you know, the, the infamous clip that, sh- you know, yours truly and Matt Schick played a million times on our show that Bruce Rasmussen introduced your dad for the next Creighton basketball coach as head coach Doug McDermott. So maybe this was all like part of Rass's plan, like, you know, 12 years ago where he thought eventually uh, you were going to be the coach. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, and it was at the, it was at the same spot, the yep, circle yep, arena. Yep. So it's, it's kind of meant to be. It is. So, so yeah. maybe we'll have Rass come by for a little, <laughs> little appearance. <laughs> so for people that don't know, so people that don't know. So the basketball tournament, AKA TBT begins this week. It's a single elimination tournament that lasts a couple of weeks where the winner wins a million dollars. And there are lots of teams that are alums of, of colleges and Creighton has a squad playing this Saturday at DJ Sokol arena in Omaha. And as we're, we've been saying, you are one of the assistant coaches along with head coach Josh Jones. I'm not gonna lie, when I, I'm not sure if you watched last year, uh, the the boys out there hooping in Wichita. I was like, I was impressed with Josh on the sidelines. Like he kind of had like that that coach demeanor and look to him. He really does. I mean, Josh has that. Josh has the coach's swag, and he's not afraid to call guys out. You know, I'm gonna be the nice guy. I'll be the assistant, and I'll <laughs> let Josh. I'll let Josh get after the guys, but. Um, you know, Josh has been, um, really good for this TBT. You know, he, uh, he's done an unbelievable job of organizing it the last few years and getting guys involved that, um, have been, you know, Jays in the past. And, you know, we got a good team, you know, we got Marcus Foster, uh, joining us, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Harrell. Um, we even got Manny Suarez. We got a lot of throwback names that I think, uh, Jays fans will love to see. And, um, you know, Mike Vandevoort, who was, uh, a manager for Creighton um, when I was there and Gibbs and um, he's, he's also a part of it. And um, there's, they're doing a great job. And I, I, I hope a bunch of Jays fans come out, come out to watch because it'll, it'll be a blast. Yeah. I, I well, first, have you watched where, are you one of those guys that watches the tournament? It's been going on for a handful of years now. It's really, for people that have never watched it, it's, it's not like crummy basketball. These are legitimate players. Again, we you heard the name like Marcus Foster is playing in it. The the team you guys are playing, Doug, have the the first your first round opponent apparently has two 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 guys that are projected top 10 picks next year. Like these are real players. These are real the, the competition's really good. It really is. It really is, you know. 
Marcus Foster, you know, was a G League champion last year. And like you said, two really young, young players that potential lottery potential next year. Um, it's really good basketball. And I think the funnest part about it is that the Elam ending yes. or whatever, how, whatever they call it, but th- where they set the score and then it's the first team, you know, to get there. I, I just think that's so entertaining and uh, it just brings a whole different dynamic to the game. And, you know, I think for the fans that watched last year in Wichita, there's just crazy, crazy suspense. And obviously we hit a couple crazy shots down the stretch and um, it was heartbreaking, but um, thankful, thankfully we're in Omaha and not Wichita this right, year. Right, right. So for people, I want to, I want to dig into the Elam ending a little bit more. So for people that don't know real quick, basically the first dead ball under, I think it's two minutes in mm-hmm. the, it, uh, with two minutes to go in the game, the clock shuts off. And then there is eight points added to the team that's got the lead. So let's say the score is 80 to 78. The target score becomes 88 points. So whichever team reaches that target score gets to 88 first, wins the game. And what it does, I will say, it makes the ends of games a lot more entertaining and there's no intentional fouls. Both teams obviously got to stay aggressive. They got to finish the game out. Because you know how it is, like sometimes when you're up nine with a minute to go you kind of go into just chew the shot clock and heave one up kind of a thing you got to stay aggressive and then every game ends on a basket where a made shot and we've seen it in the all-star game the NBA all-star game a little bit the last couple years which is good like could you ever see a world where the Elam ending becomes like more common like is is how it is in the NBA or anything like that I don't but I also don't know why I'd am necessarily opposed to it either yeah totally i i don't think it will either i just think um just the old school basketball heads you know and just won't allow it to happen but you know you never you never know man i i think i think just in doses like i think it'd be fun you know maybe even like in in like a college like yeah like a holiday tournament, tournament yeah. you know like you don't necessarily need to do it for the national title game but like you know maybe at the maui classic or the uh you know, out in Vegas, like something like that. Just, just sprinkle it in here and there, and see how, see how people react to it. Um, I, I think that that would be awesome. I think like AAU ball um, for like high school kids. I think that would also be cool because the fans are like completely differently like into it. Yes. Um, once it gets down towards the stretch, you usually have the ball in your your guy's hand, and it's like a almost like a one on one battle against the other guy's best defender. I just think it's like so cool to watch and yes. I, I i just think uh we need to sprinkle it in more um because it makes the game a lot more entertaining i even think you could sprinkle it into like the nit you know the nit has yeah. been kind yeah. of like a, a a ground for trying different rules and different things before throw it in the nit and see see what it's it's like i mean again i don't for me i would much rather see i've heard some people like do you think there'll ever be a four-point line like i'd almost rather see a, the elam ending implemented into basketball than a four-point line like the four-point line seems kind of way too gimmicky and weird to me that's just totally me. yeah totally i agree with you there nick and i think another thing i wish college would do is uh, i don't know if they've had even talks of this but i wish that i wish they could advance the ball you know at the end of the game i just think um, you know, with timeouts, you know, getting your team, um, you know, yes. a chance to, you know, like instead of having to a full court heave like a Leitner shot, yep. you know, I think it would just bring so many more game winners into play and just exciting moments. Just being able to, you know, have your coach drop a set right in front of your bench. I, I just 
I wish that would happen um, at some point, but who knows? Yeah, there's so many things with college that is er, that are unique to just college where that I wish they would maybe look at changing. Whether it's quarters, I'm not sure if you feel strongly about that. Like if you if you wish col- men's college basketball would go to four quarters instead of two halves. Uh, right. It's also interesting. Cause, cause women's do four quarters, don't they? Yes, now? they do. Yes, they. Yep. So so literally, literally, basically. Now, I don't know. I can't speak to what it's you know what things are like in you know in overseas and all that. I'm not sure if they do quarters and all that. But like basically, men's college basketball is really the only basketball that just does two halves. Everything else is pretty much quarters. And then the other thing, and I know the old Big East tinkered with this for a little bit. They went to six fouls instead of five. There is a part of me that wish we could look at that at the college level again, just because it's so rare. I feel like you can count on one hand the amount of times you're watching an NBA basketball game and a game is greatly impacted because of foul trouble. You know, it right. just it just never happens. But I feel like in college it happens all the time. Totally, and I just it it can kill the product too because your best player can have two fouls, you know, in the first, you know, whatever four or five minutes, and there a lot of coaches will sit that guy, you know, the rest of the half, and it just. It just kills the the whole yes. rhythm of the game, and you know then the second half's kind of ugly, you know, from that player because you're you're playing catch up, and it just I I'd never even really thought of that, and I think it definitely would have helped our team, you know, uh, at Creighton with with all of, all of his hacks, you know, me Gibbs and <laughs> Jahen's reaching in all the time. Uh, <laughs> it definitely would have helped us, but uh, you know I, I think that would be another great thing to look into, and would definitely help. Help the product. Uh, so we were talking before we 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 you know hit started recording here that so you you guys haven't necessarily started formal practices yet for this for for the tournament that's going to start kind of this week and then you guys are going to get kind of ramped up as the game starts Saturday. Yep, yep. Okay. So this is the week. Uh, a lot of the guys arrived in Omaha um, last night, and um, you know we got a couple of good facilities we're going to be working at. Um, we, we got the North Star Gym. Um, the JCC, and then we're also going to do some stuff at the uh, at the Ryan Center um, later in the week. So, yeah, we got a great team, like I said, and um, a, a lot of a lot of Creighton guys, but also some other guys. Yeah. Um, Abner Gilder, um, who who was one of our better players last year, um, and he, yeah, great player. Um, but yeah, just a, a great roster. Jahens is playing again. Chat is playing again. I think Wayne Runnels was he was going to play he was going to be one of our one of our better players but i think he had some some knee issues kind of flare up um last second and um for a lot of the guys that um aren't playing there will be plenty of alums you know kind of sitting behind our bench um just just to be there um a lot of guys can't some some guys can't play you like gregory and kenny because because of their contract situation overseas right um so hopefully uh hopefully we can put together a you know a good team and you know i think I'll be asking Mac for some sets here in a few days. <laughs> maybe, maybe calling up Coach Gibbs for a few sets. Yeah, um, yeah. We can have in our back pocket. What do you think you're – I mean, like, we were joking, like, on how you're not necessarily in the trenches with the guys at this moment. You know, like, you think this is – that effort's not going to get it done. You got to get it going. You know, you're not doing that right now. But what do you think you're – like, do you have the coaching itch at all? Like, is this going to be kind of like a – is this, are you, are you looking forward to this? Cause you're like, eh, I could maybe see myself coaching one day at all. No, you know what? I, I really don't right now just cause it's I just it's so much basketball. And, you know, I think what I really want to do is someday have like a fantasy camp where, you know, coach Lutz and DeVries and coach Mac and Murph that I get to coach them for a game. 
you know, I got to have, I got to have Jahan's and those guys with me. And we get to, we get to say whatever we want to those guys. That's, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my dream world. Uh, if, if I were to coach, that would be the situation. I love it. That's quite the fantasy <laughs> camp. I like that. But yeah, so people, so you say you brought up, I'm looking at the roster right now. I'm not sure, you know, things are so in flux with different things. Like you brought up the Wayne Reynolds situation, but like Deverell Biggs, uh, it it's it, at least on the roster right now. People remember him, Omaha Central, Treshawn Thurman, same thing. Um, is Justin is Patton going to play? Well, what's happening? Kind of, it's kind of been back and forth. With okay, him. I, I don't know. If he's, Not sure. I don't know if he's dealing with the injury as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Um, but uh, he would certainly help us. Yes, he uh, would. Him, him and Kyrie, but I. I'm not sure what their situation is, uh, you know, overseas or um, with getting back in the league. So, um, but man, it would be great to have those two just being Omaha kids. But regardless, we'll work with what we have, right? And uh, we'll try and we'll try and get a dub. And I, I think that first game, like you said, is so important because it's probably like going to be our toughest competition, you know, right right off the bat. So, yes, uh, if, if we could get that one, um, it would be huge for us going forward. I, I'd be surprised. If the crowd isn't just good, I think it's going to be great. I really do. Totally. I think I think it's going to be. I think Sokol Arena is going to be packed and it's going to be cracking in there. I agree. I agree. And I think you know I, I'm trying to envision you know kind of back in the day when we had Blue Jay Madness there, yep. the Midnight Madness, where you know it was it was packed for us. I I could envision it being something like that. Um, I, I really hope I really hope they come out um, because, like you said earlier, it's 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 like high level basketball. Yes, it it's is. not just some like all star game where guys are showing off. You know, it's it's like legit hoops, and you know guys are putting it all on the line because you know that's uh that's life changing money if you win the whole thing. So it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to be a part of. Yeah, again, you know, guys like Jimmer Fredette played in it a couple of years ago. I mean, there, there's there's real players that are playing in this thing, and yeah, I'm looking at the team. So you play team overtime. Uh, two Thompson. I don't know if they're brothers or twins, but uh, Eamon Thompson and Asur Thompson are two six-seven wings uh, guards that are projected top five picks next year. That you guys are going to be playing against. Now they're they're young pups, so you might be able to you know grown man them a little bit. But nevertheless, <laughs> like that shows you the talent that you're. I mean, you're going against guys that c- could get their 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 name called by Adam Silver one year from now. Yeah, yeah, these guys are really good and. You know, I think when they when it showed that they were coming to Omaha, you know, we were a little little scared. Uh, but yeah. you know, I think I think we got the the guys. You know, I think Coach Jones will get the boys hyped up, and um, I, I think uh, I think we'll be ready to go. You know, we were going to call you because we needed a, a defender. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we figured you were busy with you know the the newborn. And, yep. Uh, so we just decided not to call you. But you know, we we might we might uh, reach out to your agent next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see. I don't have like I guess I can I can do the Wayne Reynolds thing and say my knee is but my knee is perpetually I have a perpetual knee problem I guess we could say <laughs> I don't have any exactly. contract issues going on with overseas but yeah I'd be I'd, I got one good possession in it that'll result in a foul if you need that to happen. That's what, you know what's crazy though is looking at this there's a Rucker Park site like are they going to be playing at Rucker Park I'm looking at the yeah. the it's really yeah they're gonna be playing there it's gonna be crazy that's what that's what I've heard at least. And, um, you know, I think talk about Elam, Elam, how, yeah. how do you pronounce it ending there? That'll be, that'll be something else to watch. Yes, it will. I mean, so for people that, again, uh, a lot of these games are broadcast on ESPN. If you, if, if you haven't seen it, they are, 
I mean, for a basketball lover, you know, I mean, this is I, I, I usually try to tune in every single year. And obviously watching the Jays last year was super fun. And this year it's going to be again. I think that I think the crowd's going to be great. So, uh, yeah, people people need to go. I think the game's at eight o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock uh, on on Saturday night. It's at seven o'clock. So people need to get out yep. there and go and go check it out, man. That's what needs to happen. Um, what? Let, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, how? First of all, how are you feeling? Ankle good? Everything good? Feeling healthy? Yeah, yeah, everything's good. You know, it was a uh, it was an unfortunate situation. Um, you know, with injuries last year, I just a lot of a lot of little things just kind of added up, and um, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with the kind of two or three seasons that were kind of just stuck together. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of hoops, and I, I don't know, it just kind of added up and. You know, my, my knee kind of was bothering me for a little bit early in the year. Um, and then right when I was feeling a lot better, yeah, I go out and first play the game against, you know, the Pacers. I, I go for a three and just land completely on um, O'Shea Brissett's foot and just, um, you know, had a bad, really bad ankle sprain that had me out for like eight weeks. So it was it was not ideal, but uh, I'm, I'm fully recovered now. Um, I spent a lot of time with the, with the Spurs training staff and we've, we've got it right and I'm finally – you know, back to full, full clearance. So I'm ready to go for next year. Um, it'll, you know, it'd be a fun one. What, what are you, uh, we talked a year ago and, you know, you were excited about the opportunity to play for Greg Popovich. What was it like? I mean, this is an old, when you're writing down the three or four greatest basketball coaches of all time, you have to write down Greg Popovich. What was it like playing for him? It was unbelievable, Nick. It was, it was, a, it was one of the coolest years of my life. Um, just cause, you know, being a kid and, you know, obviously watching the Tim Duncan years and Manu and Tony and just seeing all that with, you know, with Coach Pop, um, you know, I was definitely intimidated, um, you know, the first day of training camp. I was like scared, you know, just like, you know, didn't know what to expect, but um, he was, he was awesome. He was so cool to be around every day. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those guys where it's truly bigger than basketball. You know, you get um, just a great human being, um, and, you know, basketball is probably his second priority. You know, he wants, he cares about, you know, life and, you know, having fun as a group, uh, more than basketball, which is, which is pretty, pretty cool to be a part of, you know, he brings everyone together. Um, there's definitely some hard moments, you know, he's going to, he's going to call it how he sees it, you know, yeah. film sessions and, um, which is great. I like to be coached. Um, and I think it's great for our young, our young group. And, um, you know, we had countless, you know, team dinners, um, on the road, you know, where he would pretty much ran out a whole restaurant and, you know, bring us wine and just give us whatever we wanted to eat. Just uh, made sure we were all having conversations about our past and where we're from. And just, he just, he's just a great guy. And uh, he, he, we had a great staff and Manu was around pretty much every day, which was so cool for me, you know, being able to pick his brain every day. Um, and uh, like I said, it's, it's great playing for a legend. He's, he, he's fun to play for. And um, you know, one of the smartest minds, you know, I've ever, been around yeah i remember the, the, your dad was beaming with uh with pride when when greg popovich had a quote about you uh i know the the start of it was that he's been great quote he's been great for our team because he obeys the basketball gods what did you did you did that quote get back to you what does it mean like because he was raving about you you know you cut with purpose you're smart you're intelligent you're unselfish like that had to I mean what's what's it like you naturally kind of play in a way that would that would suit him but I'd have to imagine that like that hearing a quote like that really really had to hit you in your basketball heart pretty good yeah definitely when, when a guy like that is saying that about you um it's pretty special I think my dad sent that to me and 
um, you know, he's, he, he's great. I mean, I wish I could hear those quotes every day in film because it's not always that good. <laughs> it's not always that nice coming from him. And, uh, um, you know, he, uh, he definitely, uh, is honest with you, which is, which is awesome. Sure. And, um, you know, I think, I don't think a lot of these guys realize, you know, how big of a legend this guy is, you know, a lot of our guys on our team, you know, they're 19, we, right. like Josh Primo was like 18 years old. He didn't have his license last year. You know, it's, it's crazy. Like, Right. I was 30 years old and like the oldest guy on the team, you know, like four years. So um, playing with a bunch of kids and uh, you know, they're so talented and you know, the sky's the limit for a lot of these guys. Um, but it's, it's, it's just huge in their development having, you know, pop and Manu and right. You know, all these legends around to be able to pick their brain because you know, who knows how long coach pop's going to be doing it. And right. uh, we got to soak it all in while we can, you know? Yeah, and and I'll ask you about this, and I you know I don't even know what you can really get into, but because you are kind of in a weird situation right now with San Antonio, just because you know there are a lot of trade rumors going around that you know the the trade from San Antonio with uh, you're trading Dejounte Murray to the to the Hawks, there is this feeling that oh that is is San Antonio trying to rebuild? I guess how do you what what's it like for you right now? Or are you just one of those dudes like listen, I'm gonna try and I'm getting myself ready, and that's all I'm gonna think about. Exactly. You know, I, obviously, you know, you kind of see, you know, what's going on and it's hard not to think about that stuff. You know, obviously when I signed with San Antonio, um, you know, I, I knew the direction, you know, they're going to go younger. Yep. Um, they're going to still try and win, but, you know, try to develop guys, not in a way where you're necessarily trying to lose every game. Yep. You're, you're trying to go out there and win. And that's the way pop coaches. He'll never, he'll never throw a game, you know, to, to get a higher pick. So um, I, I think like I'm in a spot right now where, um, they need veterans on the team. You know, they need a couple guys that, you know, can, you know, you know, mentor these young yep. guys. I got Joe Wieskamp and Fremo and, you know, we have three new rookies now and just, um, you know, Jakob Pertl is another vet and Josh Richardson. I think every team that's kind of going through this phase needs, needs guys like us, you know, to kind of help guide all these other guys. And, um, and if anything happens, you know, I've been traded four or five times. I kind of know the deal. Right. Um, you know, I'm, yeah. I have a great job. Um, and, uh, you know, I got two more years left on my deal and, you know, I'm willing to, willing to play wherever. So, but I, I love San Antonio. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens, man. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's fun to watch you play for the Spurs. You know, it's just, uh, We'll, we'll hopefully everything shakes out good for you and wherever you end up is because uh, I, I know for you, we talked a year ago. I know you really want you want an opportunity to play. You know, you got you, you did it a little bit with the Pacers, um, you know, play, playing in the playoffs, playing because I'm sure it's it's do you sit there in May and in June and you're watching, you know, these playoffs and just like I'd imagine you knowing you, your your competitive juices are flowing pretty good and thinking, man, I got to get I got to get into one of these situations. Totally. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love, you know, watching those playoff games and I try and envision myself out there and, you know, I see a lot of my friends, you know, playing and competing at the highest level, you know, Derek White was with us last yeah. year for, you know, majority of the year and to see him go to Boston and be able to get to the finals was so cool to watch. And, you know, um, someday, you know, I want to be in that position, you know, and, uh, like you said, San Antonio is, um, it's a, it's a great spot to play. And I, I always kind of felt like my game would really thrive with the, with like the Spurs style of play. Right. And, um, you know, they're just, they're a first class organization. You know, they, they treat their players so well, um, you know, and I, I want to be here as long as I can, but you know, if, if something were to happen, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun someday to be, 
you know, competing in those, in the, in the highest level, um, playing deep into the playoffs. And, um, you know, I know someday, you know, it'll yeah. happen, you know, you just got to stay patient and, um, and, and you you know, we'll get there. By, by the way, you brought up those, those Popovich dinners and the, and the good wine. Your dad always gives me crap because I like to drink wine, but if you, if you, there's no way he can give us both crap. Like if you now are a wine guy <laughs> and you and I drink wine, he can't make fun of us. Are you with no, me or no? Can't. Yeah. Yeah. He, I'm totally with you there. He, <laughs> His wine knowledge is so weak. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. It's, it really is. You know, I'll go home and in the summertime and look at their their wine storage, and it's just a bunch of gifted cabernets. You know, the same yeah. stuff. And, you know, with Popovich, we're drinking all these. Oh gosh. You know, these vintage Chardonnay, Pinots, right. Burgundies. You know, yeah. all this all this great wine and he, he knows all of his regions. And, um, you know, that's honestly when I'm trying to make small talk with, with him, I'm like just trying to pick his brain about the best wine because you know, oh, he he's knows, he knows all of it. And, uh, love it. you know, he's, he's had a few bottles in his life. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I definitely between him and TJ McConnell, who I played with in yep. Indy, um, probably the biggest wine snob I know, um, you know, I got it covered when okay, I go to dinner. Okay. I'm, I'm just sending them, sending them a photo okay, of the, good. We of got the chip menu away. and yep. tell me what to order. Okay, good. We, well, we got to chip away at your dad. He's got to, he just nonstop giving me crap. So we got to, we got to, we got to get him on, <laughs> totally. on the right path. Speak, hey, speaking of your dad, let's talk about Creighton. Cause yep. I mean, last year was incredible, Doug. I mean, it's a bunch, it was a bunch of freshmen and then a division two transfer and Ryan Hawkins. I don't think anybody had any clue what to expect, including the coaching staff. You know, I think they felt like they had talent, but you don't know until you get out there and the bullets start flying. And is it, it's, you know, they go to the big East, they finish fourth in the big East. They go to the big East tournament championship game. They beat San Diego state. They, they got the ball against Kansas down one with a minute left arguably played them tougher than anybody did in the tournament that obviously KU went on to win a national title. What, as you watched the whole season, what was there one thing that stood out to you? One player, one element of the team? Cause last year was one of the more remarkable coaching jobs. I think your dad's had. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the most proud I've ever like been watching a group, you know, from the start to finish um, of a season, you know, you know, I always remember just sitting in my house, you know, celebrating off my chair when we beat southern illinois you know (laughs) you know it was like it was like that was like a big deal and i'm like this this could potentially be a long year you know through this big east and um and then just simulating to being down one against kansas like you know i I was just so happy for all those guys and i thought just the the way they all grew up you know obviously with ryan nemhard and and colf being hurt against kansas and seeing trey you know, handle the ball against pressure against a Kansas defense, just so happy for, you know, Trey and just the way he was able, he was able to grow up, you know, throughout the year and, you know, pretty much play a completely different position than we had him all year. And um, obviously Hawk and his impact on just the program, you know, he, I wish we could have him for three more years Oh my god, or like 10 more years. I, know. I mean, that guy is, that guy's an incredible leader. And, uh, you know, I think we're really going to miss him, but um, just, just so much talent on that team, you know, and a lot of really good kids, you know, I, I go back there and, and just hang out in the gym and they're all just gym rats. You know, they're all always wanting to get better. You know, Arthur, Ryan, you know, both Ryan's and, mm-hmm. and now you add in, um, you know, the Baylor yep. um, from South Dakota state, um, who's going to be incredible in that, in that Hawkins role, you know, where he can be a leader, but also, you know, be one of our better players and be able to get everyone involved and, they just have so much talent. Um, it's exciting stuff. I know the expectations are, are crazy high, but, uh, you know, 
you can't really ask for more. You know, we're, we're officially, you know, a blue blood program, you know, people are talking about us, you know, being a top five preseason team. It's, it's pretty incredible, you know, you know, how far we we've come. So just really exciting times. It's, and I say this with full recognition that I was far from a great defensive player, but is it, is it amazing to watch how the program over the course of the last decade evolved into last year being like it was a defensive led team it was a if I'm not mistaken I think it was a top 25 Ken Palm defense like remember that was always the knock on you know the the Blue Jays uh, 10 years ago eight years it was just like well you know they can I don't know how good they're gonna be defensively I know one year you guys wore the the field goal percentage ranking or your defensive ranking on your shorts where you guys had to kind of own it every it's pretty amazing to watch the growth of on the defensive end, where but it also hasn't necessarily sacrificed the way they play offensively. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, and you're you're talking to another guy who didn't didn't pride himself on defense too. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's uh, it, it's it, last year watching some of those games, you know, where we couldn't make a shot, and we're still you know beating you know UConn, Villanova. Yeah. It's like it, it's it's crazy um, the the how far you know this this program has you know changed, and I think our staff has just been so good. You know, I think um, Paul Lusk, obviously that's at Purdue had a huge impact on our, on our defense. Um, obviously he, he went back to Purdue, but um, just, I, I think having a guy, obviously like Kalkbrenner completely yeah. changes everything. Um, you know, he, he alters every single shot at the rim and, you know, he's, he's making guys shoot um, tough mid range shots. And uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing when, when you can watch, you know, a Creighton team that's known for shooting and a program that's known for letting it fly, being able to kind of hang their hat on, on the defense end of the floor. Um, it's, 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 it's been fun to watch and um, it just keeps us in so many more games. You know, you don't have to shoot 50% from the three to win a game anymore. You know, we can, right. we can go in there and we can win in the the fifties or sixties. We don't have to score 80, 90 points every game. So um, it's definitely, um, definitely great for our program and I think it's going to just help us going forward just just the amount of talent we have on that end of the floor do you ever get to play with the guys anymore do you do you get on the floor with them um I haven't as much lately yeah um I now that I'm when I come back you know this week and gonna be there for a while um and now all the guys are back um working out I think I will more now just because um you know these guys are I mean, I, I want to play against Kalkbrenner and yeah. Frederick, Frederick King. Like, I think it could help me. You know, like, these guys are all so talented. You know, I like playing one-on-one against guys just to, you know, get better on, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we have some legit NBA guys now. So it's, right. uh, it's, 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 it's awesome. You know, these guys are so talented. And, um, you know, I think we got some pros on that team for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Kaluma just, look, Kaluma just looks like a pro. Uh, he really does. You know what I mean? He really it, does. It, it's incredible. I mean, Baylor Shireman was in the, you know, he went through the kind of the, the NBA draft process. And I, I, I'm i not sure how much of him you got to watch. He is, he's like, if, if like Grant Gibbs, a little bit of like, Mitch Ballock and a little bit of like Larry Bird. Now I know I'm yeah. like creating the greatest player of all time, but he's got like he's he he'll throw around the back passes. He'll he'll pull up from thirty feet. Like the dude is it, he. Creighton fans are gonna love watching that guy play. He is he is a Creighton guy. You know yep. he's just he's an unselfish player. I've been trying to think of comps like him too, and I, I really starting to think like he's like a Joe Ingles. I don't yeah. know if people, yeah. you know, that watch NBA like a lefty six seven, you know, 
can handle it really unselfish um shoots the shit out of it uh i mean i know feisty, you know on the defensive end i i just think uh i think he's gonna be huge for us and, and jay's fans are gonna love him he's uh you know he's he's an nba player for sure and uh you know he's He's not one of those guys that's going to come in and be like, I want the ball in my, you know, I, I, I'm going to get my shots. He's going to get everyone involved and he's also going to get his as well. So he's just a, he's a really, really fun player to watch. And, you know, Jay's fans are going to love him. I want to, I want to kind of wrap this up with just, I got about like five or six kind of just random fun basketball questions. I want to bounce off and then we'll get you out of here, Dougie. Uh, For sure. Do you have, I mean, I felt like heading into the finals, I already had Steph Curry in my all-time top 10 basketball players ever. But that obviously, that conversation got ramped back up after what Steph did because he was incredible in the finals. Um, do, you have, do you have a top five of all time? Because I think what's hard is there's kind of like, I almost have two different top fives. There's like, I can give you the top five of dudes that I watched and I knew what I was watching. You know, it's hard for me to be like, oh, I tell you what, Bill Russell... Uh, you, you, you know, like I, I can recognize and he would be in my all time top 10, but obviously I didn't watch Bill Russell play. Do you have like who would be in your top? Do you have a top five? I I have a top five. And, you know, I think, yeah, like you said, I don't want to disrespect some of the legends that you I can't. never really got to see play. You know, there's there's so many guys like that, you know, like Wilt and Bill. Like if it were me, like I would put Michael number one. I would put LeBron to um, Larry Magic. And then I would probably, yeah, like you said, I would put, I'm like between like a Steph or like even a Kobe, like yeah. those are kind of the guys that I think of next. And I know there's, you can do, you can put so many guys in that, in that spot. And um, there, there's a lot of interchangeable there, but um, you know, I used to always have these arguments. Obviously everyone had these arguments with uh, Patrick Sellers back in the day. <laughs> yeah. you, were part, you were probably yes. a part of those too. Cause he had like, he had like Steve Nash and like Jason Kidd and they're like, what are you talking about? But I also, I also respected that because he was going off recency and yes. Um, you know, guys that we actually get to watch play. Um, and I think a guy like Steph, you got to throw in there because just the way he's changed the game, you know, you see the style of play now is just, you know, it's a lot more entertaining, you know, guys are shooting a lot of threes and you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And I, I think, Steph's a guy that's completely changed a generation of basketball and it's going to change it for years to come because, you know, all these kids now can shoot it from anywhere and it's just going to, it's just going to keep, keep expanding. There's going to be so many great shooters to come out of this generation because of Steph. Yeah. I, I, Cause you brought it up, you know, you don't want to disrespect the legends. I think the hardest part about, about these conversations is it is really generational. And I think the thing that you have to balance is, you don't want to be that person that is like, everything was better back in the day. Everything sucks now. Things were better back in the day. But you also don't want to be the prisoner of the moment guy in that like, but everything is better now and not acknowledge anything that happened in, you know, 1970, 1980, 1990. So I, it's hard for it. You do have to find a way to balance those two, those two worlds. And it's, I think basketball is one of the hardest things to do with that. Yeah, I agree completely. Like if I was having this conversation with my grandpa, you know, we'd be bringing up, you know, Havlicek, yes. and, you know, like, you know, guys like that. And, you know, if I'm having this conversation with the, the Creighton guys in the locker room, you know, we're talking about LeBron, we're talking about Curry, Kobe, you know, it's, it's a totally different um, conversation. So um, you, it's, you really can't win. It's a, you can't really win. And um, there's no like specific top five, you know, it's just, there's so many different ways you can go with it. 
Um, but you know, there's just been so many great players that I've obviously impacted all of us. And, um, you know, I just think obviously Mike and LeBron are, are always going to be like one, two that's for me, me too. Yep. And I know people are always arguing who's, who's better between, you know, yeah. but you know, let's just, res- let's just yeah. say, you know, they're, they're, they're the both two really good <laughs> players to ever play the game. Yeah, let's I'm with you. That. <laughs> I'm totally with you. Those two, that's who's it. your top five. Nick? So I, my, I, guess I never, yeah, never for, asked you. for me, you know, because I'm gonna if I go all time, you know, with making sure I balance and respect everything that you know everybody's done. To me, it's Jordan one, LeBron two. I, I'd probably put Kareem three, yeah. uh, and then I'd probably put Magic four, Kobe five. I'd probably go Larry Bird six, S- Steph at number seven, and then then I'd go. I'd probably go Shaq eight. Bill Russell nine, Tim Duncan ten. That's probably like my that. my top I, I ten right now. I can't believe that I left Kareem out, especially after watching Winning Time. Right, um, <laughs> that, that was uh, that was an incredible show, and uh, I, I guess I just didn't realize how. how oh my great god, he was right, um, and what he just his whole mindset, you know, on and off the court is uh, is so cool to watch. Yeah, it's, well, okay. What? Let's expand it to. Do you have? I get people all the time emailing me, Creighton fans emailing me. Who, who's your top five Creighton players of all time who you got what do you have do you have a all-time Creighton top five um it's one of those things again like where I I a lot of the guys that came before me like long before me you know I didn't really get to even see play um but I mean obviously I'm aware of who they are right um but like haven't like seen highlights you know but I just, I mean, I think me and Kyle are up there. Oh, yeah, you two are get, you two are locks. To me, to me, you start there. You, Kyle, are locks. Yeah, and then you know you got to go probably Silas. Yep. Or Benoit Benjamin. Yep. Um, that's my four. There's one more gosh, that I think you got to throw in is there. It Harstead, or am I way off? I Sears, no. Sears I would throw. Walker. I would throw Rodney Buford in there. Oh yeah, yeah, Buf, Buf for sure. I mean. Like, I, I I don't know how I forgot about him. He was uh, he, you're, he was the all time leading scorer yeah. that you broke, yeah. and that's right. To me, watching you break his record made me respect him even more because I you know I got to watch you every game, and you were just like you know it was twenty five like every night, and then you would yeah. still look and be like, well, Doug still got some work to do to get to Rodney, you know what I mean? Like so, it made yeah. you realize like, damn, Rodney was Rodney was cooking people. For a long time, so that would be yeah. I'm so to me, it's you, Kyle, Paul, Silas, Benoit, Benjamin, and Rodney Buford. To me, are the to me that's the all time five. And then after that, then you get into Harstad Gallagher, um, man. And then <laughs> it gets so hard. Guys, I know. And if we could have had JP or Kyrie for all four years, you know, like those right. guys are on a completely different level too. So it's it's hard, you know. There's, there's been so many good players, obviously, that come through. And, like, A.T., yep. like, Tolliver, like, he had, like, an unbelievable professional career. And, like, you know, yes. he was a developed – he stayed all four years at Creighton, obviously, and, like, really developed year to year. Um, you know, it's – you got to throw him in the mix, obviously. And, you know, got Gibson and – oh, man. There's yeah, just been just, so there's many a good ton. Players. Sears, all those guys. Like, I, I think uh, – because for me, I felt like the career that Nate he had, Funk. Is, Nate yeah, Funk was incredible. Well, that's like, what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you then, underrated Creighton player of all time. Oddly enough, I feel like it's Nate Funk now. I don't feel like Funk gets the love that 
Like, cause you probably were watching him when you were, when your dad was coaching in Northern Iowa, like that guy was, yeah. people don't understand how good he was. So good. And like Nate Funk, like those teams were so fun to watch. And, you know, he broke my heart so many times, yeah. you know, being a, being a Panther fan, you know, as a kid um, and, you know, guys like, uh, like Johnny Mathis yep. and, you know, house and, you know, just all those guys, Dane Watts. Um, I always feel like Dane, Dane was Watts a little underrated. Always killed us. Yep. And, um, you know, you know, was Brody, Brody was one of Kyle's teams. Yes. Was, but still was, Brody was a power. Those, yeah. Those teams are so stacked. And, uh, you know, I, I just, um, you know, Co- coach Gibbs, I think he's a very underrated Jay. You know, I agree. Just, uh, his impact on the program, I guess you could, you could say, I mean, obviously he wasn't like putting up crazy stats, but just, um, his ability to connect everyone, um, he's a, he's an underrated one for me, obviously as well. Yeah, because I was going to ask you that over the over the your the Greg McDermott era is it most underrated Jay. I I wrote down Gibbs, but I think G- Gibbs always gets talked about because Gibbs is just like famous. You know what I mean? Like yeah. G- Gibbs just like is when when people think about the last ten years, they throw out your name, and then oftentimes Gibbs is one of the first couple of names that gets thrown out there. It. In the past day, I'll give you one. You you threw out his name earlier. I think Gregory Echenique is one of the most underrated dudes of the past ten years. Oh 10, yes. 12 years. Yes. Gregory was he was special. And I think uh obviously um his impact on our on our team, you know, defensively. And you know, I, I you know, sometimes I think, you know, obviously with me out there, sometimes it, it was tough on Gregory on the offensive end just because, you know, I was getting a lot of the touches and you know he was just like the un- most unselfish teammate I've played with. You know, he was never complaining. Like we could have thrown it to Gregory on the block, you know, every play eight out of 10 yes. times and he would get a bucket, you know, like, but he was willing to sacrifice and play, you know, high, low um, stuff with me and Ethan. And, um, you know, I think Gregory's just an all time teammate. And um, I think some more guys that um, played under Mac after me, you know, like a Mitch, a Marcus, yep. um, you know, Marcus Foster, or Marcus Foster, obviously Zigarowski, and I think Mo Watson um, yep. was an incredible point guard. And obviously his injury just completely killed us. Um, but I think he is one of the best point guards to, to ever play for us. I just think he's so talented and, you know, just the, the way he was able to, you know, get JP and, and Kyrie and, you know, everyone shots. Um, he was He was so fun to watch for me. It was so fun with – with Gregory because so many when you would play the big boys whether it was North Carolina or whoever Alabama um these teams that when you play a mid-major they think they're gonna be able to punk you in the uh, inside and it was always so fun like Gregory allowed you guys to not have to double the post it just was so fun to watch these teams try to attack Gregory and then Gregory could hold up one-on-one against anybody and it changed. It really changed your team. That for in particular, like the year you guys beat Alabama and then lost to North Carolina, like that that year in particular, Gregory's ability to defend defend one on one in the post was so important for 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 your team because you just didn't have guys like that in the valley. No, no, he completely changed everything for us. And you know, Gregory was, um, <laughs> you know, guys in the valley. They were looking at him. They were scared. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, who's this guy? You know, he was. And if, if we could have seen Gregory in the big East, you know, that's, that's where he like, that's where he fit. You know, he's a big East body. Totally. Um, and you know, like you said, in those tournament games where we had to play some more athletic teams, you know, he, he completely changed everything for us. A couple more. And then you're out of here. 
I, just, I don't even know what I, if I have a question about this, but I think it's interesting. Something I've noticed as I watch NBA basketball and in particular NBA playoffs, it's interesting to me how much offenses just kind of devolve into hunting a mismatch. And that becomes everything they're trying to do. Like they're they're trying to set screens to get a switch to get uh you know get Jimmy Butler onto Peyton Pritchard, and then that's what they do. Why don't you think that maybe it's just because more teams aren't switching all all five screens? But it's interesting how that doesn't you don't see that a lot in college, right? Like you don't see necessarily teams being like, all right, we need to we need to hunt this guy and focus solely on that. That's more of an NBA thing. What is that? Am I on to something? Like, what do you is that accurate? Why do you think that is? It's very accurate. You know, you see it a lot, and I, I think that's why you're seeing teams the you know the two teams that are in the finals and you know deep in the they have they have guys one through five that can defend all positions and. You know, it, it makes it it makes it tough on some of us not not as a athletic defenders um, to be out there, and it's something you know um, it happens a lot more in the playoffs. Um, in the in the regular season, it doesn't seem to happen as much um, unless it's like crunch time, right. you know, down under two minutes. Um, you're usually having your five best defenders out there, um, so you can so you can do that switching one through five, and you know, be able to hold your own against a Jimmy Butler. You know, or a you know, a Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, Tatum, yeah. Tatum. You know, Luca. These guys, Jalen Brunson, who are just incredible one-on-one players. And um, I, I'm not sure why it doesn't happen as much in college, um, but in the NBA, it's definitely one of those things. When you get to playoffs, you have to. Um, it's almost like the the game changes because um, in the regular season, it is a lot of switching one through five off the ball, on the ball, and then in the playoffs, it's it's literally. You're hunting, you're hunting the weakest defender, and you're trying to go out at them. And um, you know, I think refs, um, you know, call the game differently um, right. in, in the NBA as well. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of mismatches, and there's a lot of talented guys with the with the ball in their hands, and it can make it really tough when you're guarding some of these guys that are are so crafty at not just scoring, but knowing how to get fouled and knowing right. how to get calls. Um, you know, there's some really crafty guys like that with with Jimmy and and James Harden and and guys like that that can just get to the free throw line at will. Last thing we're out of here. It's crazy. So we're almost a year removed from when July 1st of last summer is when the NIL rules changed for, for college sports and, and what we're talking about with college basketball. What have you, what have you kind of thought as you've watched it from afar, the NIL stuff? Like I've always kind of told people for me, I feel like I can, I can be four players getting paid. Like I think it's great. But I, I feel like I can also say that by also acknowledging some of the inherent issues that have come along with with NIL and how much it's seeped into recruiting and all those kinds of things. What from from a guy that would have made an astronomical amount of money on uh, on NIL if you if it would have been uh, you know, available to you when you were in college and, and someone that's watching it now. What has anything stood out to you a year into it? Yeah, you know, like you said, I'm happy for these guys too uh, being able to get paid. Um, you know, because I think they certainly deserve some and, you know, they, they put in a lot of work and they're playing in front of, you know, 18,000 fans and they're on Fox on Saturday, you know, they deserve, they deserve a piece of the pie. And, uh, you know, I think I, I try not to think about, you know, me and, right. and our group, like, you know, times have changed so much. Um, so you can't even really go there. You know, you can't be too bitter about it. I think it's just the times we're in and I think it's, it's a good change. I, I think, Creighton is in a really good situation because we we do have a lot of resources and you know a lot of money and you know 
um, a lot of fortune 500 companies in Omaha, you know, that can really help out these guys. And, um, I, I, I do feel bad for some, you know, Missouri Valley, like, yeah, like smaller right. programs, you know, that are, uh, essentially turning into, if you have a good player, they, they could be with you for a year and then they leave, you know, it's like a, a junior college. So I, I feel for programs like that. Um, but I think, I, I think we're, we're in good shape with it. Um, guys are, getting paid great money and yep you know it's uh it's just it's a crazy time but i i do i do feel for some of those smaller programs that are going to lose guys because of that and uh you know um but i think the product's going to be good i think it's great that we're in the big east now and we're going to be able to to have the resources you know to to get some of these guys and you know i think we're one of the better suited teams in the big east for it so um just overall you know happy these guys are getting paid and you know, to, to play the game and, you know, maybe we'll be able to keep guys longer. And totally. I was just going to say you that. Know, I think, yeah. I think that's huge. You know, right. instead of chasing, you know, maybe the overseas or G league route, if you're on the fringe of, you know, being drafted, I think we have the resources. A lot of other programs have resources to, to keep guys longer and uh, have them play, you know, at the highest level of college basketball, you know, for an extra year and they'll be they'll, there and their families will be taken care of. So, I think that's the the biggest positive from all of it. Yeah, because I mean, even uh, even outside of Creighton, I mean, you've seen Drew Timmy staying in college for another year, uh, Hunter Dickinson staying, Trace Jackson Davis staying, Johnny Juzang a year ago staying. Like we we've we have seen examples where it's been good for college basketball. It's just going to be interesting to watch it continue to evolve. But I, I do agree with the whole thing about you know, and you know, I even think about a guy like if Tucker Devries wasn't playing for Darren Devries. Tucker might be a guy that would have balled out for Drake for a year, and then some of the big boys would have come knocking and and swooped up Tucker to go play somewhere else. You know what I mean? And and I, I'm with you. Like I still I love that, that Creighton's in the Big East. I still have a soft spot for the Missouri Valley Conference, and sometimes I just you know those kinds of programs are just such weird spots, right? Like where yeah. when a guy gets good, they usually get plucked away. It's tough. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and. Yeah, I, I like it's it's so fun watching Tucker. I'm glad you brought that up just because I can't believe how much he's growing up, you know, I watching mean, him nuts. play. And me and Jahens were talking about it the other day. We're like, oh my God, this guy is like six eight. It's crazy. You know, I just remember when he was a little kid with, with the long hair and yeah. just running around camps and now he's like a legit high level college basketball <laughs> yeah. player. It's it's so fun to watch. It is. It is so like I I was uh when I was working the Creighton basketball camp, he was, uh, I was in charge of the five-year-olds and he was one of my campers. And like, I would have to tie, he didn't know how to tie his shoe. Like I would have to tie Tucker's (laughs) shoe. And now this dude is like in arch madness, like putting in work in the Valley tournament. And it's just, yeah, it's so much fun to watch. It It, it really is. It really is. All these coaches, kids, AJ Green, who played at Northern Iowa. um, He was another one of those kids that, you know, was at camps and, Tucker and you got Preston Murphy's kid, yep. little P he's balling. He's a ball. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, it just shows how old we're getting Nick. It's crazy. Yeah. Trust me. The Tucker thing. I don't know what it is about him, him being he, this huge college player is just, I, it's bizarre to me, man. It, it, it really is. It makes me want to really drink is. some Greg Popovich wine. That's what I need to do. When, that, when, that, <laughs> totally. when I start feeling like that, uh, Doug McDermott, coach McDermott later on this week, again, make sure, uh, I'm sure there are still tickets available. I think it's going to be tough to get in, so you you need to plan accordingly, Blue Jay fans. It's the Omaha Blue Crew against Team Overtime. It's July 16th. Game starts at 7 o'clock. 
Uh, Doug's going to be on the sidelines coaching these dudes up. It's really good basketball. You're going to be able to watch and see some former Jays. Everybody should go check it out. Doug, really gracious with your time, my man. Thank you so much, pal. Thanks, Nick. Always a pleasure, man. We'll uh, we'll get some wine soon and uh, yes. see everyone in Omaha, Omaha at, at the TBT. Yes, sir. Thanks, Dougie. Ahura Media Productions.